Did you know that Bitcoin uses as much energy as some entire countries? Bitcoin has a massive network of miners called ASICs that require a lot of energy to mine and secure the Bitcoin network. So for Bitcoin to be successful, it's critical to have access to cheap and reliable energy. That's why miners are moving in flocks to Texas and running their mining operations off of natural gas wells, wind turbines, solar farms, and on-grid applications. But up to now, there hasn't been a place for Bitcoin miners and energy producers to connect with each other. That's why Digital Wildcatters is bringing everyone to the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas, for two days of network and learning at the premier mining event and power. Maybe you're an experienced miner or energy producer that's looking for partnerships, or maybe you're new to the space and you want to learn and get your foot in the door. There's going to be content and opportunities for people from all different backgrounds. March 30th, the 31st, Houston, Texas, and power. Get more information at digitalwildcatters.com. This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. It's just me, Colin, Frack Slap. We don't have Jake today. Jake uh, got double booked and... Had to run downtown, but it's all good. We got my friend John Davies here today, which John, I want to say, you know, we just met and you have a very uh, world's most interesting man kind of appeal to you. You got some really interesting stories. So I'm interested to get into today's uh, today's episode and find out because I don't have a clue what you do. I yeah. don't know anything about you. I'm just going into this blind. And so first, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and and who you are and why you're here oh, great. today. Well, <laughs> we're here because we work in the industry and because you have the world's coolest podcast program. So they're so fun. Uh, hey, they're just to, fun to watch. I'm, I'm not blowing like smoke, that. but it's really good. <laughs> uh, but I was promised both you and Jake, so I'm not sure if I'm going to stay. Oh, now. <clears> so we're, gonna, yeah, we're not going to get the five star review. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. Uh, so we, we work in the energy field from a unique point of view. Uh, that is communications. Okay. So we, we deal with an industry that is painfully shy about communicating. Yeah. And because of that reason, they get beaten up like crazy. Yeah. And so we come in and help them deal with that. So what we basically do, we're a, a public affairs firm. Okay. And it has a very special name. Davies. There you go. Yeah. My, How'd uh, you come up with that? My parents came up with it, actually. <laughs> actually, my grandfather, my great-grandfather who came over from Wales, he came up with it. So <laughs> what, what we do is we empower energy companies. And we empower them by uncovering and sharing their, uh, their most persuasive and factual stories. Yeah. And we do that to move the public and leverage that public support to influence public policy. And in doing so, we change. We get projects approved. We stop uh, projects like we stop movements like gas bans. Yeah. We get, so LNG terminals, power plants, pipelines, you, you name it, and we get approved. We, we do a lot in natural gas. Yeah. And we do some in oil and gas. So we're the guys that go out there and communicate yeah. and try to get people, get something done. All right. Questions are already starting to Let's bubble go. up in my mind. Let's see if because, I can answer one. I mean, one, this is a big talking point for us at Digital Wildcatters, right, is storytelling yeah. and communication. Yep. And- um, really putting characters and faces to the energy industry because yeah. it's an industry that really has not done that at all no. previously, right? And right. Um, 
You know, I think it's really interesting because you look at like oil and gas companies specifically, um, you know, they never really had to sell. They didn't really have a customer. They didn't really have anyone that they had to sell to, you know. Right. Demand is very inelastic. Right. And they, the states that they produced in. Yeah. Were states that understood and loved them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're in foreign water territory oh here gosh. where they're like, oh, we got a story tell. And it's tough, you know. It's, it's really tough. It's tough. And, um, you know, I think Digital Wildcatters has done a really good job uh, of telling stories and putting a face to the industry mm -hmm. and kind of being a bridge between traditional energy and new energy sources and educating the general public. But I'm really interested to talk to you and hear, you know, how about like how you guys help energy companies do this first, before we get into that though, tell me a little bit about your background. Did you come from communications or did you come from energy or how did, how did you get to where you are today? So communications. Okay. <clears throat> so I've, I've been doing this type of work for about, 35, 40 years. Okay. Before that, we did some advertising, we did some PR, did some marketing. Yeah. And I just started specializing and specializing. And it sort of became an industry, public affairs, yeah. issue management became an industry. Yeah. And so I was on the forefront of it. So I have to think back. I had a, I had a, a lady friend who I was dating in my late 20s. And uh, I had dinner with her parents and they were very successful. They owned one of the biggest commercial construction companies in the Southeast, they were intimidating. And uh, the mother looked at me at dinner one night, said, so what would be a big challenge you'd like to take on that would really challenge you? I said, I'd like to uh, represent the oil industry on a big political campaign in Santa Barbara. <laughs> okay, so Santa Barbara, the founding place of the modern environmental movement. Yeah. <laughs> lots of oil, lots of offshore oil. Well, fast forward 18, 20 months. I'm hired as, as almost a sole proprietor. Like I had one assistant and hired another person to work with me to run a campaign to stop a ballot measure that would kill the oil industry in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, you know, we have all these. The first thing they said when they hired me, they said, now you need to pick one of the other two finalists to do it with you because you're too small. But we, we want you to be doing it. And so, uh, you know, I picked a really good firm. We did it together. And we took a campaign that we started – 30, 35 points behind, and we won by 30, 35 points. Oh, wow. And, and Santa ground. Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about that. We yeah. tipped over the deal. So it was a great challenge, and that sort of changed my total trajectory. I decided more more work in the public affairs and more difficult issues. So you know, we sort of look at ourselves as someone that can play with very controversial, very difficult issues mm -hmm. that are defining. Yeah. The challenge for the energy industry, oil and gas, is it's it's only been defining recently. Yeah. So they got to tell their story. And I love that you tell stories. I mean, I, I just spoke at a national conference, a natural gas conference, and I unpacked the Pixar code. And yeah. do you know the Pixar code? Yeah. And well, I did it and I did Nemo, mm -hmm. you know, about Marlon Widower, his only son. So why don't, is, you, why don't you dive into that? Because I know about, you know, it, Pixar's templates and yeah. how they story tell, but- if you can dive into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I will a little bit. Let, yeah. me, let me tell you how we get to that point. Yeah. So storytelling on its own is taking what you know packaged well and then doing it. But so how we get to a story is we got to find the messages. So we have a very unique uh, research tool that we use. And it's something that most people in our society don't do anymore. We listen. So we, we literally have a tool where we call people. We'll call 25 to 100 people 
We'll spend an hour on the phone with them. We take copious notes and then four or five of us read every word. We come up with findings, never more than nine, usually five to seven, of what it all means. And, and it's usually incredibly simple and it's game changing. And then mm-hmm. we take that and we turn it into what are the greatest dangers? What are the biggest opportunities? And what do we come to the table with as a strength? The dangers being something we've got to overcome to succeed. Yeah. The opportunities are things we got to take advantage of to succeed. And the strengths are what we build upon. And so we take that and then we go through uh, a message formulation process. And that process is we call it value-based message is we get into it and we tell, we, we tell their story before we get into a story format by saying, what do we need to acknowledge about? Everything we do on the face of the earth, touching anything with the earth has an impact. So how, what do we need to acknowledge? What happens when you acknowledge? You build instant credibility and integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I, if I'm going to tell you something that's, that's wrong with me first, we're going to get to accept one another pretty quickly. You're going to tell me something. All of a sudden we have it. So we acknowledge and then we immediately contrast. So we acknowledge impact and then we contrast the impact of acting and moving with a contrast to doing nothing. And then it's boom. Then now you're, now you're working towards a message. Then mm-hmm. we take that and we embrace the whole idea. And when you embrace the whole idea, you get into the stories. And then we end with bridging to the economics. To think about how most people start. They start with the economics. Yeah. And you and you end by confessing that you have a problem. So you end with the acknowledge. And at every step, your credibility drops. With ours, at every step, your credibility grows. And then we turn it in, then we turn that into a story that we need to tell. And the story is simple and it doesn't have to be crazy. It's just a story. Think about the story of natural gas where we spend the time. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's it's the greatest story of American ingenuity. It's a greatest story of, of environmental and economic improvement in history, right? Yeah. I mean, have we ever had anything else happen like that? Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, I, I was actually thinking the other day, just, you know, we got in this big Twitter war a few days ago, you know, me and some other oil and gas guys versus some, uh, bring me on climate folks. Yeah. (laughs) When you get on Twitter, man, it gets, it gets rowdy over there. But um, I was just kind of reflecting on that. And I was like, it's so crazy that oil yeah. and gas is demonized when it's one of the greatest technological revolutions of well, mankind. With, and- with, without it, yeah, we're, we're, we're living in the dark ages. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're using a long drop toilet. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everything changed. But that's how bad industry has been at storytelling yeah. is that they've lost the narrative. Well, in, in they, showing- haven't, they haven't. You think here's they have the, Here's the secret. Well, oil has. Let's separate oil and gas. And if yeah. you notice API, what they say now, they don't say oil and gas. You know what, how they- What they do go, they say? They say natural gas and oil. Oh, natural gas and oil. I and mean, I think there's a number of reasons why, and I'll, yeah. I'll share with you the numbers. Natural gas is very popular, so I think that's one. The other is I think when people say oil and gas, they think oil and gasoline. They don't think oil and natural gas. You know gas. what? That actually just clicked with me about two months ago because- yeah. You should have called me before. Yes. Yeah, so, so. It, was, it was about two years ago for me. So yeah. not, it wasn't like- <laughs> it was I mean, all of a sudden, when, when I saw that API changed, yeah. I'm like, oh. Well, no, but, some, some lady posted on Twitter, this, this tweet went viral because she's like, I've grown up my entire life in Texas. And she's like, I always thought oil and gas meant oil and gasoline. Yeah. 
And that was someone that grew up in Texas. She yeah. Had no, and that clicked with me. I was like, oh, man, that's how much we have to boil it down. We do. To, we do. Yeah. And here, here's the deal. Just talking natural gas. America supports and actually loves natural gas. We love natural gas. We do. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. a nation. Yeah. Now, 10 years ago, people, we asked them, but my favorite answer is, what's good about natural gas? You know what the number one answer was? What was that? It's natural. <laughs> so I decided the coal industry <laughs> should play off that and start talking about coal as organic. Yeah. <laughs> but they say it's natural. Uh, it is clean. And it goes on. Today, they say it's cleaner. Yeah. It's not clean anymore. It's yeah. cleaner. Yeah. But so uh, we're, we're always doing uh, public opinion surveys nationwide just for, you know, for our clients, but also for ourselves. Yeah. Just to have the numbers. So a recent study we did, and this was a study about decarbonization and what the industry needed to do and how we need to communicate it. And so we asked people, do you have a, a positive or a negative view of natural gas? Guess, guess the positive number. Positive number? When was this? Uh, November. November. Um, 25% positive. Okay, positive view. 41% very positive. Okay. 62%. Total positive. Negative, really? eight and a half. <laughs> Think about it. We, and, and we run from it. So the deal is we have this amazing story to tell. Yeah. And, and really what our job is, is to tell the American public why they love natural gas. Yeah. We don't yeah. need to convince them. They already believe it. So we have a generational issue. Yeah. You know, as, as the generations get younger- there's less support. That means we got work to do. But yeah. people love natural gas. And when you look at some of the movements going against natural gas, like gas bans. Yeah. So we did a study on gas bans last year. So mid-year. So pretty fresh. And so we, we started by asking, do you support? We say what, you know, some communities, municipalities and communities and states are thinking about banning natural gas for use in homes. And businesses and doing so gradually with these small bands, blah, blah, blah. Do you support or oppose? The oppose number? I won't make a guess again. <laughs> 74%. And then we listed all the reasons to oppose and asked them, more likely, less likely. Amazing reasons. The economics, the environmental improvements. Ask for another vote. We get to 77. We then list all the reasons to support a gas ban. And then we do another vote. We get to 73. So basically, we go nowhere. But when you start at 74%, so all over America, we're banning natural gas. You know, as I'm doing the study and talking to people about it, I get a call at home at dinner. And it comes up on the home phone, which I don't know where it is. It's just some voice comes out of somewhere. We never use it. <laughs> and it's someone calling, asking me to go to a public hearing to help Santa Barbara ban natural gas. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? And then I get pinged by one of my clients, someone in Texas with a Texas utility that we work with, saying, what's going on? Why haven't you fixed that? So, but we're passing these, these horrible measures yeah. that, that impact the environment drastically yeah. and impact the economy. I mean, getting rid of natural gas is like the biggest environmental mistake we can make. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's counterproductive to climate goals, right? Yeah. And I was asked to give a lunch and learn talk to this legal firm. And so they had attorneys over in the U.S. and Europe. And I was like, what am I going to talk about with these guys? And anyways, I wanted my topic was that I believe natural gas is the transition fuel of the future. 
And, you know, I started talking to these, uh, these attorneys and I was like, look, it's like natural gas burns 50% less CO2 than coal. I said, it's abundant, it's cheap, yada, yada, yada. Most people's complaint is methane, uh, rogue emissions, but we have the technology today to mitigate rogue emissions a hundred percent. It's yep. not we're a problem. Get rid of, we're going to yep. get rid of them. And there's some great groups yep. that are helping the industry do it. Next right five now. years. No, wait nothing, to, like, right. it's going down. And anyways, um, you know, I'm talking and one of the attorneys over in the UK, he says, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and you're saying, okay, um, natural gas burns less CO2 than coal. He's like, the UK likes to tout that we've driven down our CO2 emissions. He's like, but I'm sitting here looking at the data. He's like, we went from coal to natural gas. That's why. Yeah. That's and why. And like we have 25% decrease he's like, in the US. He, he's like, now we're going through this energy crunch and- Going from natural gas to renewables doesn't seem like it's going to be as easy. Give me 20 minutes to lay that story out. Yeah, and people yeah. got it. People got it and they well, understood because it. Because as a rule, so what, what you're facing when you have those conversations is is either a flat road, not uphill, or a downhill. Mm -hmm. it, and, and as we started, the industry doesn't reach out. So we, we were asked to fight a statewide gas ban in the state. Uh, a client had had hired us. They thought they were going to face something in a year or so. Mm -hmm. So they hire us last November, December. We get started. January, we get a call from their VP of GR saying, I think we got a gas ban in the legislature. You know, fast forward, put together a coalition. They're an amazing company. A lot of good friends. Coalition included uh, every minority business organization and included uh, African-American social organizations. It included AARP. Mm -hmm. as well as builders and contractors and all that. Well, what happened is the author of the bill was really, really weak, but it was their playing possum. The real people behind it were serious. You know, fast forward, it starts to be a war. The governor blows up at us in the state because we're fighting it. Yeah. So we've got two months. It's a, it's a sprint. We killed it in the first committee, never came up for a vote. We targeted every member of the committee and their best friends in the legislature it became the most opposed bill in this state during the legislative session. Okay, think about it. I mean, everyone says everyone hates oil and gas. So the most opposed bill in the legislative session was a bill that would ban natural yeah. gas. <laughs> and all we had to do is organize it. Yeah. And it get the story out. So it the story a little is, bit of effort, it's right? going to cost yeah. every, every family yeah. $874 to get rid of natural gas if we don't have it. Yeah. And then you got to change all your, your equipment. And the worst thing is it kills the environment. It's yeah. a worse deal. So you talked about transition. So I like to talk about the energy transition. The energy transition is not from natural gas to renewables. I mean, number one, renewables are great. We all, yeah. all, all, all of the above, Yeah. but everything has an impact. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, Marshall McLuhan, the, when he, his deal was everything has a dark side. Yeah. And so every, Every development has a shadow. Yeah. And, and, you know, renewables have shadows, just like oil and gas have shadows. It's how you deal with it. So the transition is natural gas can transition to be not clean, but the cleanest. It can, it, with, with decarbonization, uh, carbon sequestering, mm -hmm. everything that can be done that's happening, that the whole industry is embracing. Yeah. Obviously, you guys, you had Toby Rice on here. He's one of yeah. the, the strongest spokespersons for doing it. And, He's yeah. working with every possible company to find the best way. Really impressive. Yeah. And so you do that. But the second transition is so the U.S. has transitioned from coal to natural gas. 
we need to transition the rest of the world with them. We have a responsibility that we have the greenest energy source that's cost effective that we can transition the world with it. We just got to tell our story. Yeah. I mean, you, you have uh, how many times I um, pull out my hair and at my age, I don't have as much hair left. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like I need to grow a beard like most guys do when they get to be my age, yeah. cover up all the wrinkles, but I would pull it out because it's like, come on, let's just tell our story. Yeah. You know, I have a friend um, that runs a decarbonization account on Twitter, but he's very pro natural gas. Yeah. And He's like, he hits me up the other day. He's like, why do natural gas producers not hammer on the fact that nat gas is cleaner than coal? He's like, it's a no brainer. He's like, and it's cheap and abundant and yeah. secure. He's like, how do y'all suck why so do you, bad? At why do you think it is? It's so we, we represent a lot of utilities. We represent some pipeline companies. We represent, uh, we've done a handful of LNG terminals. We got a really big one, Coal Point. Yeah. In uh, Maryland, you know, in the state of Maryland, we got that approved. And uh, I mean, so you work with some of these folks and they get desperate and they have to hire someone like us. Yeah. And they do it. But why? I mean, it's a fight for us to get to say something. Yeah. And get people to reach out. I mean, what do you think it is with the people you interview? Why are they afraid to tell their story? Yeah. You know, um, one is a good question because it's kind of this phenomenon that we've had with digital wildcatters where yeah. I can get high profile people in here and we just have a really comfortable setting yeah. where they're all right being genuine and yeah. no, sharing the real it's really thoughts. good yeah i can't tell you why as i i don't know if it's just like a cultural thing of like we're doing that but i mean one i think that it on a meta level it is kind of cultural because like these guys that you bring up you know like a toby rice or you know case Van hoff like these yeah, guys right. are starting to get out there and look like you know we've gone decades of not telling our story and people are fucking tired of it they're yeah. pissed off. Well, and well, like, and, you go, and, well, you 60, go on Twitter, like we're demonized on Twitter. Six, and, 62% of Americans have a positive image of natural gas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and if we ask people, do you want to increase natural gas use, keep it the same or decrease it? Yeah, 71% are increase or keep the same. Yeah. I mean, w w I mean I, I've worked in some tough places. I mean, doing a big development is going to add thousands of traffic trips. Yeah. And you do a poll and you're at 30%. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the other 65 and the pounded yeah. on you. I mean, this is, we don't have that fight. Yeah. We just got to give people the story to back up yeah. what they believe so they know why they believe what they believe. Yeah, and that's, get, that's it. You got to arm them with information well, and, right. and stories, right? And actually, I, that's I, really, I don't think they believe my numbers. That, and I mean, then like, I go, you know, out, I'm a little skeptical. I'd look, I'm like, I'd love I'd look, to see the, I'll give, so like, you, I'd love to see the data. You know, I'll, get, like, I'll give it to you. I'll tell you what, let's do a podcast where we just do numbers. Just numbers. Just numbers. I'll let's put them it. on the screen. We could talk through them and I back it up with other people's numbers. Okay, cool. Because EY, yeah. this is how I got started doing this. EY did the study and they had the, you know, the image of the different uh, energy industries. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's crazy. And it, what it reminded me of is that you know we have a lot of people who really really like it there's a lot of love but no support mm -hmm. and it reminded me of bernie sanders during the during the primaries yeah i mean bernie sanders had a lot of love i mean mm -hmm. the, the the numbers of support yeah and then if you look at the people that loved him the millennials the younger they didn't vote so they love him you know in the new york state primary Desperate. They love him. You look at the numbers, they're, you know, 50% wanted yeah. him, including uh, my son was a, is a big Bernie fan. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
but they don't turn out to vote. Yeah. And so what we have is we have people. Doesn't matter how much you love. We got to get people (laughs) right. It's it's love and no respect. So you got to you got to get people to come out. Yeah. And deal with it. And that's did you a see, that's challenge. Uh, did you see this video that we produced with EQT showing the story of oh the my fourth gosh, generation a, are you dairy kidding? farmer? It's, I mean, it's like unbelievable, right? Yeah. And it's crazy. You know, that video is 300, 400,000 views in the first month. Like that's well, and, reaching like, yeah, that, that's going to be a million view video here soon. And it's because it's a good story. Well, it's and, a great story. And Toby's a good storyteller to be part of it. Toby, Toby's, and he's not afraid to get out there. His letter. To Elizabeth Warren. It was good, right? Well, it it's like, I mean, if was, I could do a backflip, I would have done too. Well, because it's a phenomenal I've been approach. telling Toby that for a long time. I was like, dude, you need to be like, you need to be a leader and a face for the industry. He, he and, is and his guys are. So at the yeah. conference, I presented some data and we talked about story. Uh, his two people there. First off, they did a couple of shout outs to me when they were speaking. So I absolutely love them. Nice. Because you know, that's, <laughs> that's the main reason to love someone. But they were really strong like him. On the issues. And so, you know, but I, I like, that's what the industry needs to be. Yeah. I mean, EQT is leading the charge. Don't let that get away from you. Might We might lose you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, I think my thing is, is, you know, for so long, this, this industry, you know, you could be reclusive and you didn't have to put yourself out there, right. but those times are gone. And yeah. the narrative, I don't like calling it the narrative because it, it, it kind of seems like, you know, we're trying to manipulate exactly. the story. But- and story does a little bit too to me. Yeah. We, we have to tell our story. Yeah. And I did I did the Nemo story, and then I did a story about American natural gas. Yeah. And my character wasn't Nemo. It was blue, B-L-U. And the <laughs> avatar was me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I did not want to do it, but my team made me do it. And then we did uh, the story of international yeah. uh, natural gas. Yeah. And the story the stories are great. So- it, it's 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 sort of sharing who we are. It's not a story. It's yeah. simple. It's so simple. Yeah. And the and the data backs us up. Yeah. I mean, look at that's you know, that's look what at saying. the metric tons. It's not a reduction or it's a story. of CO two. Yeah. We we've gone down. We're minus nine hundred metric tons. At the same time Climate, period, China's related. up forty seven hundred metric tons. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> What does that tell you? That's what, you know, the, the big Twitter battle I told you about this uh, previous weekend was um, some guy from biotech industry up in New York made a comment about man oil man camps for hotbeds for rape and where the, you know, like the scum of the earth and all this. And I asked him first, have you ever been to a man camp? And then no. like- I kind of let it go, but then I came back and I just started tearing this guy apart because it started yeah. pissing me off. And I was like, just the, yeah, you know, blatant disrespect for people in the oil and gas industry and the industry as a whole, yeah. when we've done so much good. And I said, ultimately the problem with the world, if you don't like oil and gas, it's a demand problem. And oil and yeah. gas companies are supplying the demand uh, that there is for hydrocarbons. If you don't fucking like it, go do something like use something else. Yeah. Wean off fossil fuels and do whatever you need to do, but you're never going to wean off. This episode is brought to you by our friends at combo curve. If you haven't heard Aries and PhD went around and combo curve is in combo curve is the cloud based operating system for energy companies. The single integrated platform helps your engineering teams become more agile, precise, and efficient than ever before. For the first time ever, you now generate type curves and forecast thousands of wells accurately and in a fraction of the time. Oh, and it can automatically run these forecasts every single day. What I love most about the Combo Curve team is their work ethic. 
and actually caring about their customers. Every time I talk to the team, Armand, Jeremy, everybody else over there, they're reinvesting into growing the development team to tackle any challenges that their clients may be facing. But don't take my word for it. Go over to combocurve.com, read the dozens of testimonials on their website from clients like Arm Energy, Laredo Petroleum, Rock and W Minerals, and many more. Request a demo, and these guys will get you taken care of. Because the day we stop burning fossil fuels yeah. for, for, for internal combustion engines, let's say we go all that EV and you know we just we 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 get a lot of lithium yeah and we do that we don't burn it let's say that we don't use it anywhere else at the end of the day oil and gas is in everything we do i mean look around this room yeah i mean petroleum products we we, we well, can't even, do a even, wind farm or yeah, a solar yeah. farm without petroleum yeah i mean i think if you look at it you know the makeup of a barrel of oil um say that we did go from internal combustion engines to evs that's going to make a huge dent in oil demand. Um, but the thing a lot of people don't understand is that you're transferring um, emissions essentially from the, the, the tailpipe to power generation side. So, hey, renewables, one, hey, renewables will never, will no, ne they can't. It they'll can't. never have 100% of the grid. They can't. But also, we, we don't have enough land, enough copper, enough lithium, yeah, but that's, enough cobalt. The one, there's not enough lithium for batteries for EVs and for commercial batteries or renewables. So, right. like, hey, look, you need natural gas and oil for power generation. It's, a, you it's need an nuclear, all like, and you made a comment about energy trans. I, I'm getting tired of even talking about energy transition. No, the trans transition is th to no cleaning the world. Yeah, and the the real transition, which we all need to start doing, is a transition is from natural gas being cleaner to being the cleanest and cleanest and cleanest yeah. as we, I mean, we get to a net zero moment. I mean, natural gas utilities have the opportunity now with renewable natural gas and we'll have it with hydrogen to be net carbon zero. And it's not, I mean, it's a day away. I mean, in the, yeah. in the big picture of things and we, we just got to tell the story. So what, one of the things that we talk, talk about it, and I've watched a lot of your shows and all these, all the time, it's like going to a conference and, uh, you know, every, every panel is like, yeah, and the public's opposed and I can't handle the public opposed and we can't get it done and we're delayed and this happened and that happened. And it's like, yeah. And then I speak about what we do and how we get it done. It's not hard. First, the message is really straightforward. We just got to find the message that actually resonates with a regional or local group. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always different and how yeah. you relate it. Yeah. And that's what the research does. So our whole deal is is we do stuff. We listen first. We listen first. And then we we share and and relate to the other's dreams and fears. Not our dreams and fears, their dreams and fears. And and then we get out there and we really engage and have a relationship. We tell the story and and we we touch it. We tell it through the grassroots, still the best means. You know, old school. If I talk to you on the phone, I send you something to mail, talk to you on the phone, you say it with me, you're more likely to show up at a hearing than any other person. If you say you yeah. like me on, on social media, you know, one out of 2,000 will do something. If you say you like me on the phones, 20 out of 100 will do something. Yeah. And then, then we do, you know, we do the traditional media because sometimes you got to talk to the local paper. Yeah. They, they need some money too. Yeah. And that gets them thinking, you know, doing uh, natural gas power plants. You know, we go into a local community and meet with the editorial board. And yeah. on the way out, we go meet with the publisher, shake his hand, say hello, just say, hey, you know, can we meet some of your uh, advertising people next week? Yeah. And we start doing a series of ads. Well, yeah. who reads it? 
the publisher, yeah. the editorial page editor, and they love us because we're doing it. But you do traditional, then we do the social mm-hmm. and the digital. But it, it's got to have a base of a grassroots. Yeah. And and with that, you know, we've done projects where the night we're hired, we go to a hearing and they lose 5-0 at the gas power plant in Pennsylvania. And we're like, okay, well, that was the quickest contract we've ever had. We didn't get to do anything except to go to hearing. It's My done. guy that went to the hearing, he goes, well, they lost 5-0. We're, I don't know what happened. Well, they screwed up on on the posting and what they did and they had to do it. So they had to start over. Yeah. So a good place to start from, right? You know, fast forward, our, our, our team is in the big parade in the local town. It's a very Catholic, Italian, old school community. Yeah. And uh, the, you know, we're looking for a message, the lead on the message. This is what I talk about. So this community felt that the state and the feds were going to make the decision. And they're old school. They're like, why don't we get a choice? That was a comment we heard over and over in the yeah. recent. So it was a town of Jessup outside of Scranton. Our headline and everything was Jessup's choice. And of course, our client is like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> we can't tell them it's your choice, but it is. And so we get we get it out there. We end up getting overwhelming support. We end up having one of the planning commissioners who voted against it, the 5-0, say it was a big, at a workshop, say it's the biggest mistake I've made as a planning commissioner. I truly didn't understand what we're doing here. Oh, yeah. That's and it was, cool. the, the power plant was going to be on a site of uh, a coal storage in a little coal mountain that had been removed. So think about the 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 irony of that yeah but but you, you got you got to get out there tell your story get out we got out we went door to door people are shutting the door in our face we go back we talk yeah. to them more we keep sharing keep push pushing stuff in the media yeah and they come around they're like oh you know what we'll get it keep doing workshops keep doing it. they you, get it and you know you one know. question i get um fairly often you know like we gave this talk at uh namogo with a bunch of oil and gas producers in new mexico and one of the questions from the audience was, you know, how do you, how do we tell our story to people outside of the industry? Because often what happens is, you know, we're at conferences or events and, you know, it's just preaching to the choir. We're just in an echo chamber. Exactly. And, you know, when I listen to you talk, one thing that I find that's interesting that you guys do is you do the things that are unscalable. And this is something that I like a lot. Like you're like, Hey, we're getting on the phones with people. Yeah. We're going door to door. We're sending, you know, uh, pieces of mail. And uh, we we do, uh, th- you know, now webinars through Zoom. Yeah. We invite the whole town. Yeah. And, and, and it just, it, my, they, my can't, thing, they can't beat you up on that because my thing you is, control. is like people always, they try to think about how they can do things at scale. I'm like, just go talk to one person. No, and one then talk time. to another. Yeah. You know, I tell well, you. Yeah, but you personally, I mean, if you work for a utility or your producer or your, your pipeline company, Go have a conversation with your neighbors. Yeah. You know, I talked to, uh, really fascinated with drilling with lasers and, uh, linked up with a scientist up in Seattle. Um, and kind of just, you know, just kind of throwing my crazy idea at him. And he's like, drilling with lasers. Like, what are you, I was like, yeah, Yeah. you know, drill oil and gas. And he knew nothing about oil and gas. You know, he's from Seattle and I started like talking to him about it and he gets, it's like getting really interested and. This is right. Uh, this was last year, right when uh, Keystone XL uh, right. permits were getting pulled, and he sends me an article. He's like, "Hey, is this true that even though they banned the pipeline, that they're still going to go into transport oil 
on rail car, which could be even more uh, risky environmentally. And I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. And so that was like, or, one, or they're, or they're going to put it on a tanker and yeah. send, send it to Canada. Yeah. And, and then we're going to get our, our oil on a tanker from someone else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we like, they, we like, they go, yeah. How, we like, we like shipping hydrocarbons across the world. I yeah, mean, when we don't need to like, if you look at the Northeast right now, I wrote a big thread about this the other day about, you know, Northeast going through an energy crunch and they import LNG from Africa and, um, you know, different parts of the world. And it's like, you got the Marcellus right there, two mile, 200 well, New miles York, in your backyard. New York bandit. Yeah. I New mean, York's bandit. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so, uh, and you know, we're, we're working at LNG project that will use Marcellus and yeah. that it'll go to Europe. But it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> how, how insane is it that we have the cleanest, most affordable fuel that is really productive with renewable, yeah, with wind and solar, yeah. that we can do it together. We can do battery storage. We do the whole thing together and we can do renewable natural gas. We can do hydro. I mean, the whole, and we have this infrastructure that we don't have to rebuild. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, so we just, and the thing is that we all think the public doesn't support it. The public supports it. We just need to gather them and put them to work. We yeah. proved that over do, and over. We're going to do a follow-up episode sometime. We're going to hop on uh, a Zoom call. Where do you live? California. You're okay. You're in the, California. It's a, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big, it's a very big pro-oil area. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we did the campaign in one. Of course, it was you know what's funny in, is, in uh, the late I, 80s. One of my favorite oil stories is I worked on a well right in the middle of Los Angeles. It was on a golf course right at the end of a uh, yeah. uh, driving range. And so we're there on a work little rig old. and everyone, Just, everyone's trying to hit us with golf balls. But yeah, it was in Brea. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, well, actually did a campaign there. Oh, yeah. To reuse those oil facilities. Yeah. And uh, but so we did Beverly Hills, one of my favorite projects for the oil company that owned the 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 uh, oil the oil drilling on the Beverly Hills high yeah. school site. And Aaron Brockovich, literally Aaron Brockovich was fighting us. <laughs> and we worked with the local community, the school district, the oil company, and the little local uh, Beverly Hills newspaper, which won a Pulitzer for their coverage of uncovering the lies that Aaron Brockovich and her team were saying <laughs> about oil and gas and the project. We ended up keeping it and saving it till it, you know, became uneconomical. But I mean, think about how insane that is That's in this world. That Beverly Hills, Southern California has an oil, oil facility yeah. on, on their high school site. <laughs> they're, they're saying that it's a cancer cluster. Yeah. And yeah. That's what, uh, that's really surprising to me, but like, you know, my, uh, my stepmom's family lived two miles away from that well that I was working at. And they're oh. like, we didn't even know there was an oil field here. Right. And I get there and major intersection there's a pump jack right on the corner oh, in the parking lot going up and down it's like the people have no idea what that pump jack is and or what yeah you know, what what's going doing. on there yeah yeah but so, in california you know we we import 60 70 percent of our oil yeah and there's no pipeline yeah <laughs> so we get it all by tanker coming yeah, in you'll, and, you'll and, they're, me- and they're trying to outlaw all california oil gas production yeah they're doing all this crazy stuff yeah and uh <laughs> they're doing i mean like so what are we getting rid of that so what are we gonna Diablo, what are we uh, gonna do what are we gonna do for our oil we're just gonna tanker it in from offshore i mean yeah. i mean we that's what we're sort of doing as a nation right well, now that's but. what i mean you know they they get it out of their backyard and then uh yeah. you have transmission coming from you know different states and 
That's that's just yeah. ass backwards. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But I love what you guys do. I love that you get out there. I love how bold you are. I love that you give a platform to so many people to be able to tell a story. We need to continue to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you um, know what I tell everyone is that it's an industry effort too, right? I mean, it is. There's thousands. Of you guys thousands are like evangelists stories, so. for the industry. That's yeah. how I look at ourselves. We, yeah, you know, I speak at a lot of events. And yeah. in industry events, obviously, yeah. that's how we meet potential clients. But I also speak to, to give them some backbone. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's one event I do every year in November. And uh, it, it's, it's the event that, you know, the first time I spoke there, it was a mic drop. And, uh, and <laughs> people are like blown away. I had 12, 13 minutes. Yeah. And so now every year I try to equal it and do something <laughs> like, so this year it was a Pixar story. You had to keep raising the bar. Yeah. I had to keep raising the bar, but you know, brought in some, some research, but you know, the, the thing is that, that your generation has changed trust. So I mean, think about trust, you know, when, you know, think about in the days before there was a lot of, I mean, cars, cars and trucks came pretty slow, small yeah. towns, you know, so trust was local yeah. and a handshake. So, you you know, you borrow money, you borrow equipment, you shake hands, you pay it back. The banker comes to your house saying, come on, man, Colin, you yeah. know, I, you know, I got to help you. And then, and then trust moved to be more institutional mm-hmm. and, and instead of trust being peer to peer, it became trust became contractual. And, and that, you know, that's sort of the world we're moving out of now. Yeah. Trust now is really moved into more of a, a distributed trust. Mm-hmm. And so you, I mean, you look at, you look at the Ubers, you look at, if you, you look at Airbnb and you look at all these crazy things, there's a, 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 a great example in uh, France and somewhat in UK uh, called Blah Blah Car. And it's not a ride sharing. It's you, you get in your own car. It's like the old ride board from colleges. Yeah, hey, yeah. I'm going to Dallas this weekend. Can anyone, anyone, anyone yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's, and, and they do a huge, I mean, millions of rides every month. Yeah. It's called Blah Blah Car. Okay. <laughs> and so that's, you know, they ask questions. Do you like loud music? Yeah. Do you smoke? Are you bringing a dog? Yeah. Okay. But the biggest question, biggest decider of how people ride is based on the genius of the name, how much you talk. Yeah. <laughs> so do you talk a little? Blah. Do you talk a little bit more? Blah, blah. Or do you talk a real lot? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's how they'd find it. And that's what they found creates a piece that's with what people. That's matches, yeah. So blah, blah, yeah. And, and think about the, <laughs> the trust, right? Yeah. Go to an Airbnb. When I think about like distributed trust, like I think about Joe Rogan and, right. and how people trust uh, individuals over institutional media. Like you, you, you know, you, brought, yeah. you, you just kind of talked about the evolution. It was like, you know, well, a lot of trust Google something into- today that you really want to find, especially about COVID stuff. Do you want to see all sides? Yeah. I mean, it takes you, you have so to- It's very biased. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you don't get it fed to you from yeah. different places, yeah. you can't get it. So yeah. you know, like a Joe Rogan yeah. information, you, you can't get it. That's what I feel it. like, you know, what uh, Digital Wildcatters is and what yep. that distribution of media has allowed us is like now people can come and like, we have so many people in our audience and our community that don't come from energy or oil and gas, right. but they're interested in it. And they're like, hey, we know that we can get no BS takes and- um, get good information. Yeah, and, and, and it's really, really important. Yeah, that that it's it's there's not two of me sitting here. Yeah, you know, there's you know, your generation is thought to be against 
fossil fuels against oil and gas. Yeah. And when people aren't and you open up the idea and you talk about it, it's a game changer. You guys, you guys are making a great impact. Yeah. And it's important that we do that. that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really good. I, so I, I wanna, when I first saw it, I was pretty excited. We, we've, we've talked a lot about like the, you know, we've gone a lot into theoretical, you yeah. know, uh, conversation taking over the narrative before we wrap this thing up, you know, what type of, let's help your business out a little bit. And, um, you know, anyone that's listening to this podcast that, um, they need help with their communications and PR and how they craft, mm -hmm. uh, stories or messages, or, you know, if they need help with a project, what type of companies do you guys look to work with? Well, so, so with natural gas, we work with producers, pipelines, okay. utilities, uh, LNG companies. Okay. So. You know, we're pretty much up and down the line. And and, yep. and we we also help out some people who are suppliers to the industry and, and cooperate with them. When we did a workshop in uh, in November and I invited Project Canary because I wanted to talk about decarb yeah. from the research point of view. Yeah. By the way, back to your deal about the media and the government. And, and uh, we asked a question is, you know, who do you trust to give you the information about the companies decarbing? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it was an independent environmental group or an independent group working with a company. Yeah. Who do you not trust? The government <laughs> and the company alone. But yeah. the government was like more than a company. People yeah. are more willing well, to hear like the company than the government. Had Project Canary on the podcast. I don't know if it's gone out yet. But, oh, cool. Uh, Who'd you have on? Uh, Dr. Anna. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that's, who I, that's who I spoke with. She's, yeah. She's, she's great. I think she's awesome. They're a game. They're a game changer. She's awesome. But yeah. there's a lot of people in the industry that think that it's a grift and that it, it's a scam. And yeah. like, I put her on the hot seat. She handled it. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not at handle all. It, handle it. They, fantastic, they actually but. did not want to do the equipment to measure and do things. Their goal was just to be the company yeah. that created the data bases yeah. and the logarithms they share with yeah, people. But I think, you know, if you had an investment bank or research firm pushing Project yeah. Canary, it wouldn't have as much trust as the founder no. coming on this show talking yeah. to me. I'm asking a little bit of tough questions, pushing a little yeah. bit. And you're like, you know, there's been, I've yeah. heard some stuff in the industry. This is what people think. They answer it. And that builds trust because, hey, founder was willing to come on the show, yeah. expose themselves, be genuine, authentic, yeah. and and that builds trust. And yeah. So I yeah, think, I think, I think, and that's that distributed trust that we're talking about yeah. that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for us, we're, we're looking for people who, um, want to avoid an issue. You know, we're, you know, we, we fought a gas ban. We're working with a bunch of utilities now mm -hmm. who are preparing to face them. So the worst way they come at you is a bunch of little ones, county by county, and they do a ban on building requirements. Mm -hmm. And you got to beat them back. You got to fight back. And the public will join you and really go. You just you just got to break away and make make a move. I mean, mm -hmm. to one company on the statewide band, when they finally let us go, I mean, we talked and we talked and we talked and we prepared materials. We had content. When they finally let us take action. So I think one of the things that we do best is our research to messaging. And then second is we take action. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a lot of firms. We did a project in British Columbia that we're hired after they had another firm. And the, one of the reps was there three days a week in the client's office. And there were two file cabinets full of memos and plans. They had never implemented a thing. Yeah. You've got to take action. You've got to have a plan. 
You got to have a message yeah. and you got to go. And yeah. the plan needs to be simple. It doesn't need to be 80 pages. 100%. I mean, <laughs> in, 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 in natural gas and in oil, we have a story to tell. We, we're working with one oil and gas company, a small independent. And when, you, when we get out in their communities and do digital and social media, and then we do, we, we do quarterly studies and we, we hit it hard, the numbers go up. The positive numbers go up. I mean, the world's very elastic to having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I love your point on taking action. I mean, um, and, and that's analysis what we do. paralysis yeah. is well, the killer of many. Good well, the ideas. thing is, are you just going to die over time? Yeah. <laughs> or are you going to invest some time, some money, and mostly some balls to go yeah. out there and tell your story? You got to yeah. have some balls to go you tell to. your story. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, I think you're starting to see a lot of people rise up to that. I mean, um, yeah. The Toby Rice's cases, yeah. those, I mean, those types and, and, of people you know, are. What, what, did, what happened to Toby Rice when they, in, in EQT, when they sent that letter? I don't, I don't think. I, they got applause. Yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, people are like. It, well, it, I was thinking, yeah. So I first diverted over because someone actually just sent a tweet today, not verbatim, but along the lines that it's bullshit that. Elizabeth Warren could come out and demand information and you yeah. know, scold oil companies. And then when Toby sends a letter back, just crickets. Like, yeah, that's great. Anything. Right. So that's what we when want. When you asked me like what happened, I was like, nothing happened, but no, I mean, on the other side, I mean, got we, a ton we need of to be, we need yeah. to be doing that in, in, in the local areas. Yeah. We need to do it in a regional, every natural gas utility needs to be standing up and telling their story. Yeah. And, and, and the deal is we're not fighting the uphill battle. Well, all we have to do is tell a positive story. The thing is, and and this probably you probably we probably need to close. I have a feeling we hit our number. Uh, yeah, we're getting close. Okay, is uh, yeah, a couple minutes. So yeah. much of public debate in issues like this is saying no on no. You know what I mean? So we're saying no to the no people. <laughs> we're saying no to the opposition, and so the deal is no is a zero in a multiplication. And so if I, if I multiply one times zero, what does it equal? Yeah. Zero. If I multiply 80 million times zero, it equals zero. When you go no on no, it equals no. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you got to say, yes, we need to be proud and tell our story. Let's not repeat their debate. Our story is so good. Yeah. When we tell it, when we get out there and tell the story, hey, it's your choice to make this decision. And by the way, here's why you should say yes. Yeah. Here are all the good reasons. Yeah. Here's what's happening. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then you get to go. So stop stop telling the the opposition they're wrong and start telling the public why they need to join us. Yeah. Hundred percent. And that's a that that's a game it's changer a man, and a, right? and mean, a policy. You wanna, yeah, you need to know what you should be uh actually actually taking action on and right. I agree with you 100%. Well, so where we did stop the state band, the, uh, they had one hearing and they're going to have another. So the first hearing that they had, they had, uh, had a guy from NRDC, NRDC that was, took over the hearing and the, uh, the proponent, obviously a lot of proponents had a, a weaker legislator, but he just took over and did the deal. And he was so effective. He, you know, his background at Zoom, you know, almost made me like laugh out loud. And uh, he, could, he couldn't make a point. Yeah. He could not make a point that mattered. And, you know, we have a bunch of Democrats, you know, usually uh, anti-oil and gas. 
who were loaded for beer. And they were like, you know, they'd ask questions and they're subtle and they ask questions. And this guy is like, going, wait a minute, these are my people. What happened? <laughs> and that's what we could do all the time. Yeah. We just need to be proud as you guys are. I mean, yeah. what you, your entire game is being proud of what you're doing. A hundred percent. And the industry. Yeah. And, and you should know, be so, proud. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud. People say you work in, you work in the oil gas. There's a, there's a group out of there, out there called a uh, concerned creatives. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, is that the one that has all the uh, creative shops sign a petition? Exactly. They won't work the, yeah. Gas and you know, they, they approached me and I go, that, that was awesome for digital walk editors. It's like, okay, cool. Like if y'all need creatives, you'll come work with us. We'll exactly. That, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you need real work, I mean, and so all the big public agencies who for years have taken money from the big oil. Yeah. And, and, all and they're saying, they're no, now they're yeah. signing and they're not going to do it anymore. It's like, well, first off, you did a really crappy job yeah because <laughs> you, you assigned your junior team. You didn't let your company be proud of it because you yeah. may lose Microsoft yeah and, and Starbucks is a client. Yeah. But me go, you know, I'm proud to do it. We yeah, you know, put it, get out of put here. it, put it, put it, put it on the wall of our, our house. And when we do renewables, I always start by telling them that, hey, by the way, we do all energy. All energy, and, yeah. And, you know, so many of the people go, oh, well, you know, I'm from, I came from oil and gas, so I'm a total supporter. Yeah. And we had, I had one guy with a little community solar, which had no means of, I don't know how we got on a call. He debated with me about natural gas. And and there are like two or three other people on the phone from his company and they, or on the Zoom, and they started fading away because he was embarrassing. Just going he off. knew nothing. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm I'm proud. I go, hey, listen, if you're if if you don't like oil and gas and you don't want to work with someone, then you shouldn't work with me because my I'm I'm all of the above. Yeah, and I'm gonna, not me. I'm <laughs> really proud of the work we do. That's awesome. In oil man. And gas. Yeah, no, I, I want people working with these companies that are proud of oil and gas. So yeah. you guys get our stamp of approval for yeah. sure. Well, yeah. If someone's listening uh to this show and you know they they're interested in y'all's services. How can they get a hold of y'all? Yep. So DaviesPublicAffairs.com. All right, DaviesPublicAffairs.com. And we're going to go through a whole new rebranding and because I just want to. Cool. And we're changing it to the Davies Group. But it'll be Davies Public Affairs will get you. We're, we'll get you we're In the first quarter, we're doing a little rebrand. Awesome. You know how much fun that is. Oh, I know. It's so fun. It's always that's, new business so cards. <laughs> got to get some. Got to get some North Face jackets yeah, and gotta, tell them we do oil and gas. Work. Yeah, for sure. You <laughs> have if, to see if they reject Put some us. Salt in the moon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Super interesting talk. I think that this is going to resonate with a lot yeah, of people I, and companies. I hope so because so. I just, I just think the people in the industry are. I mean, it's 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 saved America. It's say it's you know saved the world. I mean, we're we we have this lifestyle that we have the travel, the heat. The warmth, the food, everything we have is because of energy, and uh, and oil and gas is our energy. Absolutely, man. Keep fighting the good fight. Oh yeah, guys. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Make sure to leave us a five star review if you haven't done that yet. Um, also, make sure to check out our BDE show at ten thirty Central Time every Tuesday. Me and Chuck Yates are going through energy news, giving our terrible takes and opinions on that. So make sure to check that out. We will catch you guys next week. Cut, 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 cut.